0: Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talk to the Volunteer of the Year, as named by Sport Manitoba on their Night of Champions Thursday night, Tony Stark. No, not that Tony Stark. And we'll also remember the life of Guy Lafleur with Ted Irvin, who played against Lafleur for a number of years. That's all coming up on the podcast. Sport Manitoba recognized a number of remarkable achievements last night with their Night of Champions. After years of missed games, canceled tournaments, no high fives or sideline cheers, they honored the sport community and delighted in stories of integrity, leadership, passion, and teamwork. They've also formally inducted the remaining members of the Sports Hall of Fame Class of 2020, go through the full list of all the winners coming up later on this half hour, but we want to shine a light on the Volunteer of the Year, and that is Tony Stark, baseball coach from Fort Richmond. Tony, welcome to the show. Congrats on the big Thank honor. you.
1: Ah, oh, thank you for having. me. It's uh, just quite surprising last night, but very humbling.
0: So, when you get the invite to go to an event like this, are you anticipating that you you're going to win something, or how does that work?
1: Uh, well, this is the technically the third award that I won because I won the Winnipeg South Minor Baseball Volunteer of the Year, and then I won the Baseball Manitoba Volunteer. And I was assuming that it got put forward somehow. Um, I really wasn't expecting to win at all. I, especially after hearing some of the wonderful stories of all the people who were there, there are some absolutely amazing people in this province.
0: So let's just go back to the start of your baseball volunteering. How long have you been involved in the sport here?
1: I started when my son was eight, he's now 22. Prior to that, I was also volunteering, uh, coaching hockey. Uh, I coached my daughter's soccer team for about four years. Um, So I've been involved with the community centre for for quite some time. Uh, Friends of the family were past presidents and uh, it just seemed the thing to do to try to help out when when we could. Uh, For baseball, uh, my son started playing and the original convener was retiring and they were looking for somebody to fill the shoes. And I I jumped in at that point.
0: What's it been about sports and coaching that has drawn you in over the years?
1: Uh, The big thing is the need for volunteers. Um, You really cannot um, cannot impress upon people how much um, extra work is needed to try to get the sports organized and get the kids out there and get the scheduling going. It's not a lot of hard work, but it's dedicated work. And the biggest thing I I find um, culturally, we've kind of moved away from community centers into a leisure guide sort of mentality where, you know, I'm I'm just going to buy a program and drop my kids off and then pick them up afterwards. And uh, community club sports is not really like that. Um, You really need a lot of people, especially the younger age group. Uh, I've been uh, convening. Um, for rally Cabin and grand slam, which is four to seven year olds and nine year olds, uh, and when you're putting those kids on a baseball diamond, you need to have more parental involvement. So, trying to get more people involved in that way at the grassroots. When they get a little older, and uh, you know the coaches are more experienced and the kids are more team oriented, then uh, that volunteering can drop off a little bit. But the youngest age groups are the ones that really need the most amount of help, and. Uh, that mentoring comes from all levels, uh, right from Baseball Manitoba, Baseball Canada, actually, all the way down, has done a wonderful job at trying to get the parents involved. And um, that's really where the volunteering first starts coming in is looking at your kids and going, you know, um, we're really a hockey town. So your kid's on the ice and he's falling over the place, you know, and there's only one coach on the ice with uh, 10 kids, you know, strap on your skates, get out there, give them a hand. Um, it's really where it all starts.
0: There will never be enough volunteers, will there?
1: Oh, absolutely not. And you, with a lot of the sports, there's more and more things that need to be done as we try to organize sports, especially when you start getting up to higher levels. With baseball, uh, you need somebody doing pitch counts. You need somebody doing the scorekeeping, as well as um, you'd want to have at least two or three coaches on the bench. Uh, so it, it really does become a team effort. I can't stress that enough. And really throughout almost all sports, uh, you need the positive role models in the stands also cheering along, but you do need to have that support in the back end to make the kids as successful as they can and to keep it fun. I mean, baseball is a game. Games are supposed to be fun.
0: According to your bio from Sport Manitoba, you single-handedly organized the 13 and under a playoffs for Winnipeg South. How long did that take you and how much effort was that?
1: Um, I've been doing playoffs for a while now. Um, So it it wasn't my first run at the hat. Um, I've actually gotten kind of accomplished at doing it Uh, with COVID being around. Of course, that puts in special challenges. Um, A lot of things that you can't do in person, but uh, with your tools like uh, zoom meetings and phone calls and trying to be as organized as possible. Uh, And again, it comes down to the coaches as well and the, and the players and the parents uh, being acceptable for that and, and chipping in and, and understanding this is the flow that we need to work with. Let's work within it. So the kids get a chance to play. Uh, so with the 13U playoffs, it's really a, a smaller group uh, finding the diamond that you can actually work with uh, making sure to organize your officials. And again, it's the official scheduling that that, Uh, make sure that the umpires are going to be there so we can play the game in the first place. Uh, All those people working together, it's not just a one individual person. Um, It really is a team effort. But for the most part, for that, it's getting the games organized, uh, getting the information out so that the the coaches and the parents understand what's going on. After that, once that communication is made through, the rest of it works quite smoothly
0: you mentioned that your son is now in his twenties. You're, you don't have kids anymore involved in, in this sport. So where's the, uh, the rewarding part of it for you then? We always often hear about uh, people do the rewarding part of volunteer ab- about giving back for you. What is it uh, about the, the volunteering experience that is rewarding?
1: When I look back at a lot of the things that I've done, uh, some of it is uh, from the administrative side of things. Uh, at the Winnipeg Minor Board, we managed to get all the five different baseball associations all on the same set of rules, so we're all playing by uh, a consistent set. Previously, we were different areas. St. James is different from Winnipeg South, which is different from Winnipeg North, which is different from Bonnie Patel. And when you got the playoffs, then you've had a little bit of confusion because now we're all playing by one rule. So... The board has been absolutely wonderful and worked very diligently to get us all on the same page. So we're consistent across the board so from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. We're all on the same set of rules. Um, you know that's rewarding. Uh, making sure that the parents and the players have a good season throughout and uh, can actually get to those playoffs and have that championship is wonderful. Probably the biggest thing for me though is when I was coaching. Um, the relationship that I've had with some of these uh, men and women have been, you know, I, I coached some kids from the time they were eight years old, and I'm still friends with them now. So, uh, you know, something happens, and you, you've got these young men and women reaching out to you um, as well, and, you know, I'll, I'll see them on the street or in one of the stores, and they're always friendly and say hi, and, you know, it's great to catch up and see how well they're doing, and, to see the wonderful individuals that they've become thats to me is one of the greatest rewards.
0: Do you know how long you're going to keep volunteering for?
1: Um, well, I'm 58 now and I've still got a little breath in me. I'm taking a break at the moment. Um, but I've been doing AAA tryouts, uh, went through that and I'm in the middle of the A tryouts right now. So I'm still helping out. I, I still have my, my, uh, focus in the fire, so to speak, um, uh, I don't know if there's any time when I'm not going to be volunteering for something. Uh,
0: I can't let you go without asking you uh, if how many times you've been called Iron Man or to, uh, references to Iron Man. Your last name isn't spelt like Iron Man's last name, but S-T-A-R-U-C-H, Tony Stark. Do you get that a lot? Uh,
1: very much so. Uh, but then I give them the Ukrainian pronouncing, which is Storuk, which is a little harder for most people, which although all, all my life I've known it as stark myself so uh, but yes i do get that going a lot
0: so when I the robert do downey it. movies come out like 15 years ago and all of a sudden there's all these iron man movies again do you like it or not so much
1: i do but i feel a little more rusty around the edges more than i do iron
0: <laughs> there you go it's a good line tony appreciate your time tonight thanks for this and congrats again on on the big honor and all you've done for sports in this community
1: Yeah, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Again, I cannot stress there's a lot of people that are behind that also deserve the recognition as well.
0: Very humble. Tony Stark joining us here. Earlier today, we learned the news that Guy Lafleur, NHL legend, passed away at the age of 70. And to talk more about the legacy of Lafleur, a man who played against Lafleur for many years, Ted Irvin from right here in Winnipeg played for the Rangers for quite some time, as well as the Kings and Blues and the Bruins for a game in his NHL career. Uh, Ted, welcome to the show tonight.
2: Thanks very much for having me.
0: So, let's just start with this. What was it like to play against Guy Lafleur?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I, when I heard about Guy today, one of my friends told me, Winnipeg, uh, I hate to say it, but the first thing that came to my mind, how much money he took out of my pocket over the years playing for Montreal. He was such a dynamic guy, and he was like bossy. He scored so many key, key goals, so... So the memories started to kick in about how we were told to play against him and try to hit him. He couldn't catch him. So I have a lot of fond memories of watching him go by us, and then a lot of good memories too when we were able to beat a club like Montreal with a guy like Lafleur on the team that had so many Hall of Famers. So. I've got lots of great memories. I'm reading all the quotes now about his speed. I've seen it. I sat in the bench and watched him go by, his hair flowing. Not that I watched guy's hair flow, but it was so obvious. And I remember so vividly when he came across his blue line and he got the puck, or you knew that Lemaire was going to get him the puck. He was gone. He was that quick. You talk about McDavid and everything else, but uh, Cornwall was just, he, he, actually, you sit in the bench and you didn't have to pay for the seat. You became a fan of him. He was that kind of guy. Not a big man, but so competitive, so key, scored in clutch, and playing under the pressure that you do under Montreal. He was a true, true, true superstar.
0: Part of it is the fact that he's a French-Canadian playing for the Montreal Canadiens, right? <laughs>
2: That goes back so long. You know, when you grow up as a kid with only six teams, the dream to play against Toronto and to Montreal. But to skate into the Montreal Forum and to see those guys and hear those fans, I think I've said on the air with you and Kelly and lots of other guys, the ice was so great there. When you came out there, you knew you were in the NHL. And all your dreams came true, skating around, looking at those guys with Beliveau and Cornwall and, you know, everybody back on the Point Dryden. And you wanted to beat them. But they came out, and those fans at that time, I'm sure they are the same, give them another jump. They were just flying. And you just, how in the heck are we going to keep up with these guys? Warm up there faster than us. So to go into Montreal, you had to take your game to another level. Most times it was on Hockey Night in Canada, so you knew everybody was watching at home, so you didn't want to be embarrassed. So as a team, you worked very hard, but... As a kid, you're saying, this is the Montreal Canadiens, all that history, and you know, all the banners and the fans and just the class of the whole thing. It was just a special time to skate out there. Yeah, you wanted to beat the Montreal Frenchmen. That's what we called them, out of respect. Because most of the time, at that time, they're all guys out of Montreal or out of Quebec, and uh, yeah, it was a special time playing out there. It was an honor.
0: If my research is correct, you beat. you were part of two teams that beat – Montreal in the playoffs. You didn't actually lose to Montreal in the playoffs when you were with the Rangers. Is that correct?
2: Geez, I don't know where you got that stat. Why was my lawyer at that time? I didn't realize that. No, I was just looking up. that. I know we beat them because Ronnie Harris scored right off the faceoff, and we won. Yeah, we beat them. We played pretty good. New York, we got up for a game there. Emil Francis had us so ready. It wasn't yeah, – we got up, but the fans and the whole history, yeah, we we had good luck against. many Jackman was our goaltender, Gilles Villamere. We played pretty darn good. We played pretty darn good. We had good checking lines. We weren't afraid of them, and you knew they just weren't going to quit. So I was really proud of the guys we had in New York. We, we did pretty darn good.
0: As your career's winding up, though, that's when the Montreal kind of dynasty takes off. They win four straight Stanley Cups with Guy Lafleur as, as a huge part of that. Is he he really hit his peak during those the, the seasons at the late 70s there. Was he yeah, well, the biggest star in the NHL at that time?
2: Yeah, but at that time you really didn't know every seemed every team seemed to have one or two of them, but I'm glad you know you've always done your homework. I enjoy listening to the radio. You do your homework. Yeah, they came that year that they won. They had to beat the Broad Street Bullies, the Bullies. Who's going to beat those guys? They beat you in the alley, they're going to beat you up on the ice. And Montreal was always quick and fast. And that year, they changed their whole style of play against Philly, and they fought back. And Guy Lafleur was part of that whole team, and that's what beat Philly because they thought they could run Montreal out of the business and out of the building. And the uh, Canadians stood up and fought back, and that allowed guys like Lafleur. He wasn't a big guy, but I was, I was looking at his penalty minutes. I didn't realize he had a few penalty minutes. So he had 400 in his career. So they had to stand together as a team, fight back to beat the Broad Street Bullies, and then they went on the run because then every team started to try to build a team with speed rather than toughness, and for four years they were good, very darn good.
0: I just should say for clarity's sake, your last season with the Blues did end in a playoff sweep at the hands of Montreal, so just to put that out there for for even time's sake. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Sorry to bring you down a bit, there, Ted, but that's okay. the truth.
2: <laughs> Montreal's done it lots.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Now, now, you as a, a player that you know you you played in the NHL for a number of years, when you see guys like Mike Bossy and Gilles Lafleur pass away in the last week, how how do you feel?
2: Good question. I was just some uh, friends of mine, and uh, we were talking about it. You had Clark Gillies. You had uh, Bossy, you had uh, you know, Guy, Emile Francis, my boss, passed away, uh, Roger Bear, Jimmy Nielsen, and yeah, I, I was joking one of the former players. I said, well, right now it's all the Hall of Famers are going down, so by the time they get to the third or fourth liners, I still must have a few more years. It makes you, my son always said Dad, you were there, look back on it, and I look back on it now, how privileged I'm looking at the lineup of that 72 with LeMaire, Mahavish, and Cornwall and LaPointe, and, you know the Richard and Savard, Chuck Leftley, Chuck Anderson from Manitoba, Larry Robinson. I said, "Wow, those guys were good hockey players, and we had the privilege. I had the privilege of playing against them. Uh, Bossy, the same thing. Uh, those pure goal scorers." That. They just beat you. You just knew LeFleur and Bossy, they were going to beat you. Clark Gillies beat you up, and he scored two. But those guys, those superstar guys on those teams, and they blended in with the lines they had. Like in Montreal, if I look back, I remember shut Lafleur, Le shut LeFleur. when I – I look, there was Mahalowicz first and then LeMaire, and, and I'm reading about how Scotty changed these guys all around and how he changed the, their lineup so much. And uh, uh, i tell you a quick story, Scotty Bowman, I was at a reunion with the St. Louis Blues and Scotty came up to the reunion, and I've never met him. And in those days, you were scared of a Scotty Bowman, he had such respect. and. You know, demanded so much uh, power and respect, and he said when he was in Russia, he used to have a few bubblies with Tikhanov, and they said if they had Guy Lefleur on the Russian hockey team, they told Sky they wouldn't let him back into their own end, because he was totally useless. They would design all his plays from the blue line out. He was that quick. And Sky said, we started designing some plays for Guy never to come back in. Just to use him outside the blue line, he was that quick and that talented. And uh, so, yeah, to play against those guys and to learn about them. Uh, when you're playing against them, you think oh, I'm on a team. You don't look at them individually. You know you have to watch. Now I look back and I watch them after the game. Especially Montreal, they treat their players with such such high regard and respect. And the history that the fans have for all those players. To see a guy like Lafleur being hurt, and I remember watching Cornuay talking to the eulogy for Jean Bellevue, my captain, of my campa, They were a special organization. They were just so up there, ran such a great franchise, and their players had to play. What a tough place to play in Montreal. And Lafleur, you know, 77, you know, he wins Conn Smythe. He was a leader. He was good on and off the ice, but they were built around a team. So, yeah, it's a real honor to look back and say, wow, I was part about playing against those guys.
0: Would you have wanted to play for that team?
2: Yes. Can you renegotiate for me? Yeah, <laughs> you, you do. I mean, of course you do. I mean, you can't you can't outlive or outread the history when you're a kid. I mean, it's such a history, and you knew it when you went in there. The, the whole franchise, from the ushers to the trainers to the everybody, just seemed to, you know, being on the air with Dick Irvin and, you know, Danny Gallivan and all these guys, it's the high regard and respect that they carried themselves. I remember when I did the radio with C Joe B with the Jets and Montreal came into town, well, you would know it. They had more media guys than we had players. I mean they just had such a following and yeah, you'd always well, I'm very thankful I've got to play where I played, but what I would like to have played with Montreal? You're darn right.
0: Did you have any interactions with Gee off the ice?
2: Not really. I, I had a little bit more with uh who um, was always a good guy. Uh, Larry Robinson, who always uh – Apologized to me for beating me up in that one fight in Montreal. Good guys. Serge was a good guy, and but mostly uh, it was it would be Corny who I'd seen over the years. Never had a chance. He went. Gee uh, went to to New York, which was really quite a jump for him. All the respect he had in Montreal to take that leap to go to New York of all places, and in New York he was such a class act. The New York Rangers. To this day, the fans and the office always respected what he did when he played down there, even with a helmet on and that, and he, he performed well for them. But I can't imagine with all the history he had with the Montreal Canadiens going to another team, how that would hurt him. But he performed very well, irregardless.
0: Uh, well, and not just that, but to finish out with the Quebec Nordiques as well in 89-90 and, and 90-91. He only ended up playing 98 total games there, but I... Take me back to that rivalry between Montreal and and Quebec. Was that a a, a traitorous move by Lafleur back in the day? How was that received?
2: Well, again, it, it was received with a lot of question marks. But there again, is when does a player quit? When does he give up? When does he said I've had enough? you love the game, you love the game. Uh, I've kidded with all you guys. If I could put the skates on and go out there again, I'd do it in a second. Everybody laughs. No, you love it, you love it, and Guy loved it. And he still felt... He had a role to play with these clubs in New York and in Quebec. you know, His home province and starting junior hockey there, he was a god. He could have lost everything, but he just had enough confidence in himself, and he wanted to play. His family supported him, and fans loved him. And he wouldn't have made a fool of himself, and he went out and played for them. And Again, I just cannot imagine those guys like the Gretzkys to go to another team and everything else. How do you do that when you've been so loved and had such great careers in one town, and then to say they don't want me anymore, and then say I'm going to try again. Because it's not easy to skate on the ice after a year or two, and all of a sudden change all your loyalties to another team. But that was his talent, that was his success, and that's how great he was. No, that was great for hockey, but I just know he wanted to play. He loved the game that much.
0: Absolutely. I'll let you go on this. Just back on the ice with Lafleur when you played, was, was there really anything you could do legally to stop him?
2: <laughs> we were told, like every coach, says, you know, you've got to hit the guy. And I played with Pete Stemkowski, former Winnipeg, and Emil France always gives it a heck. He says, hit him. Say, How do you hit a guy you can't catch? He's like, he was like Gretzky. He knew your body was gone before you did. So what you had to do is you had to play collectively. You had to play collectively as a team, your defense had to be back. So when you went on the ice, you had enough meetings before the game, all five of you get out there, you gotta work together. But you just knew he was just too good. I remember he scored from inside the blue line, Montreal form, on Eddie Jackman. And Eddie's a great guy and he said after I never expected him to shoot that far out, I never expected it to go in. Why did he even try to shoot from there? But that was LaFleur. He could shoot he could skate, and he could do them both at the same time. So he just worked hard as a team, and it like that's why I admire him so much when they went against Philadelphia, because they were going to run him right out of the business and make him quit right out of the building and make him quit, no way. He fought through it and they end up winning four more Stanley Cups. Now a special hockey player, special guy, and uh, like I say, a lot of good men dying right now as in all the way in life and some real big superstars. And I loved how they handled their life after. became very important to the community and loved the game of hockey.
0: Absolutely. Ted, appreciate this. Thank you very much for coming on the show tonight. Okay, no problem. That is Ted Irvin, former NHLer, played with the Rangers, for most of his career, also with the Blues, Kings, and Bruins, remembering the life of Guy Lafleur. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again.
2: So long, thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all of the day. You may not share my intellect.